The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another trailblazing innovator. We're going to get right to it. Today, we're rejoined by Ryan Howell, Principal at Levitt Partners. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for making the time to be with us today. Before we start a discussion, could you take a few seconds and remind the audience about you and your background? Sure. I'm a principal at Levitt Partners. We're a strategic healthcare intelligence and consulting firm that was founded by former Secretary Mike Levitt when he left public office a number of years ago. I have about 20 years of healthcare technology experience across multiple sectors, Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial. We're working on some exciting things here at Levitt Partners related to healthcare technology, and I'm I'm taking a lead role in, in helping to be able to find ways in which we could advance opportunities within the technology sector. Ryan, could you also take a couple minutes and just tell our audience how you serve your clients generally at Levitt Partners? We do a few different things. I think one is we do traditional strategic healthcare consulting where we work with clients more on the strategy level across multiple sectors, typically C-level strategies around how to look at disparate points within healthcare and try to make sense of all of the different trends that are occurring and ensure that they are relevant to their own individual business themselves and how we help them grow and sustain their business over time. We also do some interesting things where we convene groups of alliances or collaboratives to try to solve really difficult issues within healthcare. We will convene these multi-sector alliances. We do about 30 of these or so a year in trying to solve these issues, and we'll pull together stakeholders from across the industry payers, provider, pharma, consumer advocates, health IT companies, EHR companies and the like, to try to look at issues that are common among all of those different sectors of the industry. But there hasn't been really a a convening group that's been taking a real close, hard look at what the issue is and then how we can measurably solve that issue with a set of action plans and deliverables. Ryan, last year we talked right before HIMS. It's right before HIMS again, and you introduced our audience to the Karen Alliance. What is the Karen Alliance, and what kind of progress have you made this year? Well, thanks for asking, Joe. Yeah, the Karen Alliance is a group of one of these alliances, these multi-sector collaboratives that are focusing on advancing what we call consumer-directed exchange, or the ability for consumers and their authorized caregivers to get, use, and share their digital health information when, where, and how they want. We have made some pretty significant progress in that we're looking at ways in which the implementation of these APIs from each of the EHR vendors around the country could be able to facilitate essentially a new way of exchanging data within healthcare. What's unique here, Joe, quite frankly, is the idea of really kind of centered around a few things. Number one, this is a consumer-directed data exchange, especially electronically with the use of these APIs, is a must-share situation rather than may-share. So 
a consumer who makes an individual request for their electronic data, as long as it's readily producible, the EHR vendor, the provider, must share that information with the consumer. So rather than the may-share situations we have today with HIPAA exchange between two different covered entities, it becomes a must-share situation. I think secondarily, because it's a must-share situation, there's some excitement because now that the consumer has access to that data, they can then direct that data to whomever or whatever they would like, whether that's a third-party application, whether it's back to their own provider, whether it's to their health plan, whoever that may be, they have then the right to be able to direct that data. And that the direction of that data is actually protected under the Federal Trade Commission under FTC guidelines. And so the progress we've made is the following. I think, number one, we have worked with the EHR vendor community in ensuring that obviously the APIs are continuing to be in place and that they are being implemented and most importantly turned on around the country. I think two is we've demonstrated in public forums this ability for consumers to request access to the data. I think three is we're very heartened by Apple who has made available the ability to download their data onto your iPhone now and, and there's some excitement around that simply because there's opportunities that they have provided to the industry in laying the pipes or the groundwork in a very open source way to say, we're using the existing standards the industry have agreed on, and we're going to make sure that that data gets from the provider to the consumer without the need for any of that data being stored in an Apple cloud. In fact, none of that data is stored in the Apple cloud. It's not stored on their network either. It goes straight from the provider to the consumer. And then finally, we're excited about HIMSS. We've got some speaking roles there at HIMSS next week. We also have a lot of excitement from the administration around person-centered healthcare and consumer-directed exchange and what that means. And I think you'll hear a lot of that next week. So we're very excited about the direction we're headed into. Awesome. Ryan, I've been reading about the TEFCA. What is it and why does it matter? The Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement, or TEFCA, as we love to provide new acronyms in healthcare, was an obligation under 21st Century Cures for the OMC to develop a set of common standards, rules, and essentially legal agreement for how data should be exchanged in healthcare. It was actually published in January, the first draft was, and it was open for public comment until kind of February 20th. And so we had an opportunity to, to comment on that. The vast majority of the trusted exchange framework specifically was related to HIPAA-related data exchange, so how covered entities share data with other covered entities. And so I won't go into specific detail here, but there's this concept of a recognized coordinating entity. There's a concept of a QHIN. Both are fairly new concepts in healthcare interoperability and folks, I think, are still grappling with how they respond to that and how they position this in such a way that they can be able to support it. And I think there's other concepts in there, too, about ID proofing and authentication, which we had commented back in August of last year in our comments back to the ONC about the importance of ensuring that individual consumers are ID proofed and authenticated to a much higher level than they are today within the EHR systems themselves. So we were one of the first organizations to do that, and we were pleased to see that our comments were actually included in this latest version of the Trusted Exchange Framework. Why that's important? It's important because if an individual is really ID proofed at a higher level, then that person then can be transitioned to other systems, meaning that they are 
tied together. They know who they are. It's almost like a digital DMV, a digital credential that helps them be able to transition from multiple systems. And that is not currently being done today. It's the reason we have patient matching issues today or record matching issues in healthcare. And so we're hopeful that this higher level of user proofing, higher level of authentication, both within and across systems, will help to be able to track these patients and these consumers more effectively, especially as we put third-party apps into the ecosystem. There needs to be a way to do this in a more trusted mechanism. Ryan, what is the difference between what you just described, user-proofing and authentication, and why are they both important? User-proofing, Joe, is the ability to ensure that Joe Lavelle is truly Joe Lavelle in the system. You are the person who we're talking about. That is essentially the core of user-proofing. Authentication means I can securely actually log into a system. We use typically usernames and passwords today to make that happen. They don't user-proof me. They don't necessarily know that I am the Ryan Howells that lives in Georgia at this specific street address. But what they do enable us to do is securely log into a third-party app. So they're very different concepts, but they're all both very important. I think the breakthrough we've been making in the Karen Alliance is on the user-proofing side. NIST came out with some guidelines last summer that will be finalized and effective this summer related to this idea of IAL2, which is also in the Trusted Exchange Framework. And getting an IAL2 certified credential is the same thing as actually going to the DMV in a digital sense. You have that credential. You can then use that credential wherever you go. And most importantly, and, and as exciting as this is, a lot of this data is already being inputted into the EHR system. It just needs to be mandated and ensure that it's consistent across systems. I think on the authentication piece, we're working with an interesting group of folks called the FIDO Alliance who are making the ability for you to, at least through a mobile device and, and long-term through a desktop, be able to essentially use biometric and cryptography keys to log into a system without a username and password. Um, think of it like Touch ID on your Apple device. It's the same type of principle. You'll be able to do that uh, in a ubiquitous way here very soon because it will be on every major mobile device and most of the major desktops here within the next 12 to 18 months. So we want to be able to use that same open standard that's available in healthcare, and we're advocating for the use of that. Perfect. Thank you for that. Ryan, we've been covering interoperability for at least, well, for the, the whole of our show since we got started. And up till now, I've been rather pessimistic. Do you think it's time we start getting bullish on interoperability? Well, I think it's time we get bullish specifically on person-centric interoperability or consumer-directed exchange. I think this is the first time, Joe, in a really wholesale fashion that users will have true electronic access to their health information via an API to a third-party application of their choice. This has never happened before in healthcare. So I think the reason that we can be bullish about it is, number one, we're advocating for an even higher level of security and authentication protocols that exist today in healthcare, even through the patient portals. That's number one. I think number two is, once those are in place, we are then advocating for the ability for a consumer to really receive push-button access to their electronic data from any provider in the country via a third-party app of their choice. That, again, has never occurred before. I think it fundamentally alters really the paradigm in healthcare to say, 
this is an opportunity that we've had that's unlike any other. And it provides the, really the consumers, the patients to take control of their healthcare decision-making process, to be a partner with their provider in making decisions on behalf of themselves and their family. And it allows them to be able to have full access to their health history, at least through the data fields that are available today in the API and the Trusted Exchange Framework and this the USCDI that was actually published by the ONC is going to make more data fields available over time. So that's also really exciting. Ryan, as 40,000 of our closest friends get ready to go to Las Vegas next week, what should they be thinking about visiting there in Las Vegas related to the consumer-directed data exchange? Bring good walking shoes. That's number one, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I think number two is... um, Listen to the administration's remarks uh, next week. I think what you'll see is some commonality around person-centric health care and person-centered interoperability and consumer-directed exchange and this idea that it's not just about your clinical information. It's also about your payment, your claims information, too. So health plans and providers mutually have an obligation to share the data that they have related to you with you as the consumer. And so I think you'll hear a lot of those themes as we go into next week, and and that's going to be able to hopefully get the industry and the momentum around how we kind of rethink about interoperability, not at the exclusion of provider-to-provider data exchange. We still fundamentally support and believe that and hope that it will continue to advance. There's a lot of great companies working on that. Our goal is that we want to find even another way to be able to advance interoperability using the consumer as a a means to be able to help make that happen. All right. And I want everybody right now to take the time, go out to www.levittpartners.com. Bookmark their site. Keep up with what they're doing on consumer-directed data exchange, as well as many other forward-thinking healthcare topics. Ryan and his team are doing a great job, and you're going to want to keep up with it. Ryan, it was so great to have you on the show once again. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great wisdom with our audience. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. I would also let your audience know that you can go to karenalliance.com, C-A-R-I-N, alliance.com, and get some more information about the topic we discussed today. But thanks for the call, Joe. All right. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for adding that additional information. With that, we'll wrap our broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Ryan Howes, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. 